0: Hi, you're listening to Life in the Brand Lane with the brand guys, Finn and Ron. This is an irreverent look at rock music in brands and brands in rock music. This is a podcast produced by Fresh. Fresh brings you smart thinking for your business problems. So here we are, show five, Life in the Brand Lane. How are you doing, Ron?
1: I am doing good, Finn. Good to see you, good to hear you, good to be with you.
0: Yeah, so this is the, the second of our shows recorded from our home studios. Yeah. And um I I opened up there with um with a track from, from Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going going back to 1971 some classic prog rock yeah. from the Fragile album um, and the first album that Wakeman played um, keyboards on and I, I, I've not told you this I'm reading, reading a book and this is maybe what has jumped me into a bit of a prog rock period um, and yeah. pulling out some of the old classics I'm reading a book that's called mountains come out of the sky oh, and that's so the scary. classic uh, little little line there in that track roundabout uh-huh. Um, so ab- absolutely classic you should you should have a look at it will romano Um, uh-huh. really nice it's a kind of coffee book uh, illustrated history of prog rock and um, what what it's done for me is um made me go and listen to some stuff that I've not been listening to for a while. Genesis, King Crimson, right. uh, Rush. And um, you know, so it's a real motivator. Um, yeah. but but it's got it's got me thinking, you know, Prague is progressive and what these guys were great at is they were pushing the boundaries.
1: Yeah.
0: And you know, um when when I consult with Fresh, I talk quite a lot about being enduring and, and how brands can be oh. enduring and um, but I realise at the same time we also ask them how they evolve yeah and, and reading the stories that come out of some of these classic bands because they're progressive that they, you know they were trying different things they were living on the edge yeah. Um Rush sure. you know brilliant example they, they left quite a lot of their fans together because they were actually too progressive they evolved Yep. But so, my question to you is: Do do brands and, and you know think about bands if you want? Uh-huh. Um, do do they actually need to evolve to be enduring? I realize that's maybe a loaded question.
1: Right, uh, it's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think uh, rewinding on a couple of points: that you know, making music or any creative um pursuit has has a lot to do with heart and and spiritus and being inspired but there's a lot to be said for um the the headspace and what you were saying is you know prog rock or progressive i mean they are pushing the boundaries and so much so they're thinking and approach is not myopic, they're not playing to a set formula. So by the very nature of that type of band, yes, is a a brilliant example. And some of the other guys you mentioned, Rush and Genesis and so on, there's that term of pushing the envelope. They're constantly uh, moving out with the expectation, and, you know, and that also goes sonically. I mean, I think, was it Steve Howe that was playing the guitar? Yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, you've got that collage or it's, you know, it's, you know the, the different domains, almost classical to, to then to, to rock, jazz, fusion and so on. So by, by doing all of that, uh, suddenly it's very much like your fresh thinking where well, we're playing outside of the box, there is no box, there are no rules, um, there, there is no formula and that keeps it fresh, interesting and exciting for the audience. I don't know that you absolutely have to, um, how, how did you phrase it?
0: To, to evolve, yeah, to be enduring.
1: Yeah, I think that a lot of bands—it's like the human condition—that they, they they naturally evolve, or at least they change. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we went back to one of our earlier shows, and there is some change, but you know, AC/DC was a great example that, well, actually, you know, uh, it's it's about the consistency, the authenticity, and and the, the known assurance that it's it's not going to change, if you will. So the reliability of it. Whereas in this kind of domain with progressive rock, there's a, there's almost an an anticipation and expectation, mm-hmm. right. So it's not like the Bond movie where it's well it's the same film again and again and again, right. But it does evolve. But for the most part, it's you know, the red thread running through it it's the same thing. So I think for this progressive rock, the evolution is important. And we did that. And you and I talked about it with, um, the reincarnation with Trevor Rabin in Honor of a lonely heart. And you still have the signature, John, uh, Anderson, John Anderson on vocals and high vocals and Chris Squire, you mentioned and so on. But, but the, I mean, was a phenomenal, Musician, but as is Trevor Rabin. But they also bring in Trevor Horn to produce it. And the, the owner of A Lonely Heart track had several, kind of like they were very innovative at the time. They are small little packages or bites of sound, you know, sonic signatures. So that kind of gave it almost like a sci fi uh, sort of sound, or it kind of brought it up to to pace. I know that was back in the 80s. You, you hear those um, pieces or chunks or samples of music everywhere now. But that was one of the first times in a mainstream um, record that they put that out there. So I think it depends on the audience's relationship and expectation and it depends on the nature of the, the band and the brand itself. So cool. I, I think you have to, I think you might need to, you might want to, it's, it's all, it's, you know, I'm back to that thing where there's no one, uh, one size fits all, fits all off the shelf. I think every band, every audience, every scenario is is unique.
0: Sure. And just kind of bringing it right up to, to date, if you like, yep. um, yeah, I think you're right about highlighting the individuals and their 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 different talents or styles. Yeah. Um, Steve Howe now has um, a, a a jazz trio. That's his thing.
1: Right. So right. he's
0: kind of gone back to his roots, or or gone right yeah. into that niche. And and Wakeman does what almost looks like organ recitals. You know, keyboard right. recitals. And, um, you know, so he's gone into to his. He was classically trained, yeah. so they've kind of broken it, to- totally
1: deconstructed it. Now, yeah, uh, and that's attractive too. It almost comes full circle, the, the yeah. journey. Yeah, I like what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Okay, listen, um, we're we're going to move on, and um, you know, one of the things that I've totally appreciated about going back into that genre was, and you touched on it there, is multimedia. And um, the album covers were just different class round about then, weren't they? There was a period where sure. that was that almost sold your records, Um, you know, and I, th- and I think, yes, Rush, Genesis, and um, Pink Floyd, all, all of those, it was almost a driver. Um, and then the other thing, which I think, if, if you listen to music in different ways now, the lyrics, although you're listing, you know, we used to get an album and you used to read. The lyrics as well didn't you um, and so I, I've kind of experienced that a little bit but um, I'm pushing this out a little bit further because um, we're, we're gonna go into the movie domain and I know you like your your movies
1: and yeah. um,
0: so um, for our own enjoyment no other listeners um we're, we're gonna go to the cinema and uh, soundtrack from Blade Runner this is Van Gelis and uh, love theme now that is seriously evocative there and it uh, just brought so much to the movie that soundtrack Van Gelis. One of your favourites, Ron?
1: Oh well absolutely, as as a movie and a, and a soundtrack, you know, big big fan. And uh one of the the reasons I brought that one to the to the show was I was listening to an interview with Philip K. Dick, who wrote the original uh, book to Android's dream of electric uh, sheep. And uh, it was interesting. And I was thinking about fresh one of the things he was talking about was that human beings create personal worlds and other human beings particularly, you know, domineering or those uh, in power seek to invade those personal worlds. I mean, he was speaking in it and, you know, building up to it from a sci-fi angle, but I couldn't help but think it was very much what branding tries to do. You know, it seeks to, you know, infect and affect how you think and feel about particular uh brands. And you know, going going from there, of course, I dug out a, a copy of I think it was the director's cut of of the movie and I started watching it. So and, and uh one of the things that struck me was the and again it's very much uh, there's a lot going on with this particular movie. It's Ridley Scott. It's Philip K. Dick and it's Van Gallis and Ridley had done the 1984 uh, Apple Advert also, you know, and I, I think that that uh, I think that Blade Runner, you know, the stylization of it, uh, I mean, it's, it's just beautiful, but it's the layers, the layers of meaning, and you were talking about the lyrics and, the, and and so on, you know, it's what this, again, it was, we talked about Baker Street, what does this mean? Uh, and certainly the music gives you a, gives you a clue in terms of how you should be feeling. One of the key things the movie is about is, you know, what it means to be human, but it's about memories. And I couldn't help when, when you played that, you know, I was back in my bedroom 35 years ago on lunch break from school, listening to that. I remember listening to, I can, Mm -hmm. you know, it lets you travel and move with it. And I mean, I think that that, we talked about the idea of of recall recognition in deep processing. Why am I watching that movie again? Why is it enduring? Yes, the story, yes, the visuals, but a lot of it's the music, the ambience, the experience, the layers, and very much like the the album cover design, the sleeve notes, and the music it's these layers of of adding um experience and value to the audience. And the the wonderful thing about movies and, and music and art is that you go back again and again, and again, and again, and again. You know, you want it's to experience it. it. Yeah. Because each time your personal world is slightly different, you know, that you pick up different things or you interpret it differently, you're in a different mood. It makes you feel different, whatever it might be. So, and I think that uh, when you begin to marry together, I mean, you saw it, we talked about ZZ Top and MTV, principally the idea was that we will send as a visual media, and, and then the, the sound is backing up. And inversely, the music is oral and then the, the image, the MTV. I, I don't necessarily put them in a hierarchy you know, I think Coppola, with Apocalypse Now and the innovations and Dolby and Sound and Star Wars, and all of these these great innovations it was all about branded, immersive, thematic, curated experiences that made you feel different. you know Blade Runner as a movie makes you feel different because they paid attention, and I mean. As a standalone, Van Gallus is
0: fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm going on. No, no, not, not at all. I'm, uh, I, I'm kind of nodding away here, which I guess isn't great for um, either radio <laughs> or or podcast. Um, but you were on a roll, so I, uh, I was letting you go. Hi, and um, yeah, you, you kind of, um, you, you know, you age yourself a little bit there by. Oh. Um, bit. But anyway, hey, we can live with that. And you know, it's amazing how that's your soundtrack.
1: Yeah. your soundtrack
0: to your life and and then we all have our own movie as well don't we whether it's stitched together with the movies that we watched or that we watch or the experiences we have and yeah go into the art gallery to go and look at the same piece but I, as you say you put it really nicely you know and it's slightly different in your world at that time yeah and coming right back to what you were saying about, um, you know, all these experiences being a, a construct, and then yeah. you brought it over into, you know, of yourself, if you like, yeah. And then you brought that over into the the brand domain, and, and I know you're working on um, a piece just now around brand constellations, and did, right. do you think that kind of fits with that thinking.
1: It's it's exactly that, Finley. That the way that I viewed branding is that, you know, when you see, or you experience, or you use a brand, there are several triggers that essentially, um, one of the ways that we we believe consumer memory works is that there's a, a network of neural nodes or chunks, little pieces of information that are linked together. You know, it's almost like a web—a web of connotations and associations. And to to put it as simply as I can, you know, successful brands are the ones that have the the most coverage, the most the biggest depth and spread of coverage. So you know that you know Coca Cola, you know, if it if it positions itself around love, peace, harmony, utopia, altruism then the audience already has a pre-programmed schema, schematic that it aligns with. So suddenly you think and feel much differently towards Coca-Cola than you do towards Pepsi because Pepsi sounds soft drinks. Coca-Cola is selling you something else, right? So one of the things that happens is that as we lever, you know, normally, or daily lives when you when you know we're we're out participating, it happens the same online. Certain colors go with other colors, certain cars go with uh, certain drivers, certain sunglasses go with certain fashion, certain watches, certain music goes with certain experiences. So you begin to build uh, constellations. Uh, that that have congruence and goodness of fit, that complement and amplify and are pleasurable. And you are constantly, in terms of identity, either consciously or subconsciously, I would argue the individual is seeking uh, to, uh, if if you will, it's almost like a, a campaign to generate more territory. It's a normal thing that by... By having a particular look, by listening to a particular music, by going to particular restaurants, this is your identity. But it's also being expressed to others, so that they can sense, make, and makes it make sense of you. So I mean, it is heady, trippy stuff. Uh, but I think we all do it, and that—that's where you and I said, um, you know that. I think brands are omnipresent in consciousness, in the world out with, in the world within, in that we have a soundtrack in our lives. You know, that there's a particular radio station or album or, or whatever it is. So that, you know, we come back to the idea that the, the consumer is an actor in their own ensuing drama. And there are props and settings and and soundtracks and locations and other actors and other constellations.
0: Okay, listen, I'm going to jump 40 years forward in that movie, um, and uh, it's 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 not like us come um, no. into this century. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've spent quite a lot of time listening to to music, playing music um, from the from the seventies. We, we've t- touched into the eighties okay. um, on on this show. we um, in the past, but, um, but I, I would I would argue there's a constellation of Prague, which had a kind of golden era from re- late sixties uh-huh. to the late seventies. But th- this yeah. band, I'm going to argue, kind of drags that forward, and they're they're kind of okay. one of the sons of Prague. But then I'm going to put you on the spot because I know that you've got a very uh, personal story about um, your own music career that relates to Muse. So I'm going to play Madness by Muse now. Okay. So there we are, Muse. That is um, a great track. And, um, you know, just kind of carrying on that little prog theme, I think they're a nice example. That's not, it's not rock, but, you know... Rock fans are comfortable listening to that and and having it in their CD collection or letting it be known that they listen to them. You know yeah. that's quite poppy. It's electronica, yeah. um, but coming back to the other two themes, I think they're intellectual. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the lyrics, and then there's there's the artwork there as well. So I would I would put it that they're that's that's prog rock for you. But um, tell me or tell us your Muse story. You shared a stage with them, right?
1: I I I did a TV show with them, and it was a Scottish music arts TV show called Loud TV, and we filmed it up in Aberdeen, and there was the band I played with, Jar, and the other band was Muse, and Muse had just uh, come in, and they recorded... Uh, I'd weave two songs and then we went in pretty much Muse left and we went in and we, and we cut it live. It went out live. So uh, although it looks like, you know, when they cut it together in the program that we're all there at the same, same time, you know, that's the wonders of, of editing. So that, that would be, it's almost 20 years ago. Yeah, uh, and I think that you know that that was great fun. Uh, and Muse weren't Muse then. Muse were like us. They were they were trying to really break, and Muse went on to take over the world, and we didn't, <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, it was a great it was a great experience. But I think a lot of the things that you said, again, you know, to give you. I was in London teaching at the uh, British School of Fashion and I was in the hotel and I turned on the radio and that song played and it sounded familiar. And I thought, yeah, that that sounds like news. But I also noticed that it sounded a little bit like Queen, particularly the guitar solo and the harmonies. And it's almost Bowie-esque as as well in terms of the, the design of it. It's very much like the, the Trevor Horn stuff with with the sampling, the ma ma ma, 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 You know, all of that, electronica, even reminds me a little bit of Majura and Ultravox and all of that type of stuff. It does, it does. Um, it's very interesting. And then when I go to the album, yeah, these guys are, are playing about with uh thinking. I think the album is it The Second Law. Yeah, and that's I, right, yeah and I forget the science on it, but the idea of a closed system that receives no input, the only outcome will be entropy, that it will, you know, it will come to an end. And I think that the album cover design looks at what happens to a human human brain uh, when, when it receives stimuli and is excited. So, I mean, immediately, you've got a lot of, Oh, okay. So this is pretty heavy stuff. And I think like Van Gallis, um I'm pretty sure that some of some of that album is part of the soundtrack for the Brad Pitt uh, zombie movie. He he filmed some of that in Glasgow, World War Z. Yeah. So uh, I mean it become it becomes a soundtrack uh, also. And I think that that idea that you were talking about that it relates to brand constellations that the 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 rocker guy is happy and and proud and okay to have it in their music collection, be, because it's doing a lot of things that the one is still happy with. And to to echo back to the point, uh, movies do this, uh, books do this, art does this. Advertising does this. Brands do this. It's self reflective in so much they—they are referencing Queen. He's referencing Brian May's guitar solo from "I Want to Break Free," you know, and they're referencing those kind of uh, harmonies uh, that Freddie and 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 all that did as well. And that relates to what we were talking about in terms of. Um, the web of connotations. So by associate, you recognize it. it's like Coke aligning with peace and love and happiness. Muse are aligning with Queen and David Bowie and so suddenly you go, oh, I like this because the, associ- the associations are there. So it, there's a lot, they've done a lot of uh, things right. Plus their great life, mm-hmm. you know, and they can, they can deliver and I think that also, <clears throat> you know, pe- people are interested in musicianship. They can play, but they've, they have evolved it and made it uh, contemporary and, and interesting. I think that's, you know, one of the reasons, that, some of the reasons they're so successful. And we did none of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was- a different path. <laughs> <You> chose <laughs> a
0: different path. Yeah. That's that's your life and you've got to live it. But yeah. um yeah, no, thanks for that. And you know, you know what I'm gonna do is I'm <laughs> I'm gonna find that I'm gonna find that um footage yeah. and we're gonna put it up on the on the blog, the articles section. Oh yes, Fresh yeah. biz, um And I'm gonna take some of that um, thinking that you've just given us, and we'll we'll put a little piece up there, multimedia um, as it happens. So that's okay. a scoop for you, scoop for you here. Watch out, watch out. That's um, cool. Yeah, we'll take twenty years off you, Rotten. we'll take twenty years off you. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of time travelling in in this show, and so we're gonna carry on with this yes theme. Okay, and you know, we've obviously done that, uh, touched on it subtly there and, and some of the, um, the, the the personalities and we listened to Steve Howe and, and spoke about him yeah. and he, he moved on and had another super group uh, you know the, these guys were are quite incredible the career some of them have had oh, and he went to play with Asia a kind of super group oh, uh, pop rock group and I'll be honest with you at that moment in time Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have looked at it, you know, as an Iron Maiden fan.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: that was that was too soft. It was it was almost into that electronica pop area. Yeah. Yeah. Jump on a few years, and we were kind of looking at softening our music, listening, and, and it was very much part of that uh Kansas, Ariel Speedwagon, Boston, who we spoke about yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um but th- this was an amazing group because they had huge success, um, but they came from a prog background. So you also had John Wetton, who had played um with King Crimson, the kind of yeah. you know, the um, most prog of others, yeah. and, and then um here you are, they, they come into what was a very pop rock. So like your memories of Vangelis, you know, this yeah. I think will will just um jump you back into the yeah. 80s again and probably evoke a lot of memories. Um, so we're going to play with this, but have you got any thoughts or memories yourself of, of that sort of period?
1: Well, very much so. I mean, I would echo a lot of the things that, that you just said. I mean, I, I, I tended to look for, for melody because I was, you know, I had started playing the guitar. In a, and I knew I didn't really want to be a heavy metal guitar player. And so bands, but at the same time, I knew I, I wasn't going to be a pop guitar player or a pure blues guitar player. So guys like, you know, Steve Morrison, Kansas, and and you mentioned Rush and Alex Lifeson and, and, and so on, it was heavy, but it was clever, you know? And it was like, how how did you play that? It was just slightly different and slightly uh, more interesting. It's not traditional, so I liked that. Uh, the other thing, you know, is you know I love still do drawing and Frank Frazetta and fantasy art and all of that stuff. So I mean, the Asia cover in itself, right? I think it's with the dragon and the sea and and something. That's right. Like, like you said earlier, Finn, the, the, that's a key driver. Hey, I'm, I won't buy this anyhow uh, because this is a great painting. Uh, so I was attracted, uh, and I remember at and around that time, yeah, buying that. And you know, you're in safe hands with the pedigree of the guys, the, the musicianship. You know, as, as you as you were uh, discussing that it's, uh, it's like, you know, when you meet someone, uh, it's an instinct that you know, hey, this is going to be good. I like this person. And the music's very much like that too. Um, and I think that we talked a lot about memory and so, and I think brands and I think music in particular, is about creating memories and there's little touch points, there's little triggers that you can revisit and uh enjoy again or, or re experience again. And I could see you kinda lighting up there when you're talking about well, you know, going from purest kind of heavy metals is, well wait a minute, I'm I'm an explorer, I'm a traveler here, and I can I can go off uh, off track and, and look at these bands also. You know, there are no rules to to the to the intrepid explorer. Very much like you know, building up your identity and brand constellations, suddenly you're more interesting, you're more well travelled because oh yeah, I know I know this type of music also. So
0: yeah, no, that, that all makes um, a lot of sense. And I, I was just thinking while you're talking there that it it is what brands are doing and, and bands or movies for that matter, yeah. they're they're trying to find a piece of your mind yeah i mean it's a positioning isn't it and yeah. um who, who is it the positioning expert Al reese um, mm-hmm. "The battle for your mind i think it, it was yeah. the kind yeah. of classic positioning and and, sure. and that's what the music bands or the industry are trying to do but then once they've got it it's it's always there isn't it you know it's um it, it's a memory so Listen, before we get too heavy and completely carried away, I'm just <laughs> going to say thanks for, thanks for coming on the call. Um, enjoyed that, our, our second distant right. show. Very and
1: uh,
0: uh, for, for our own entertainment now, I recommend that anyone goes and, and listens to Asia off the album Asia, heat of the moment.
1: But in the meantime, yeah. we'll see you, on. Thanks, Ben. Cheers.
0: We live in a branded universe. You've been listening to the soundtrack of our lives and your life. Life in the brand lane. For information on future episodes, visit fresh.biz or find us on soundcloud.com. Thanks for listening.